All right, welcome back to the BAT podcast. I'm Howard Swig, and we have a truly all-star guest today, and that's Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson. Reggie, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, Howard. If uh, if I was all, if I was doing any better, I'd have to be twins. Very good. And for people who may not know, uh, Reggie played, I think, 21 seasons in Major League Baseball. Uh, one of the maybe one of the best players of all time. We can debate that. Um, notably, you played for the New York Yankees and o- Oakland Athletics. Um, and more to the point, you have been a really serious car enthusiast and collector for much of your life. Uh, yes, uh, played for the Angels uh, for five years. I had a one-year tour in Baltimore, uh, 21 years total, and um, just a wonderful, enjoyable uh, career. I was very grateful for the success I had. Um, uh, Howard, I was with great teams, uh, great owners, uh, people that love the game, and great fan bases in different places. Um, I guess I guess the the only place that is um, where, where there's a bit of a uh, of a sore spot is I'm very sad for uh, or a sad spot. It's not sore. Um, just about what's going on in Oakland. Looks like they're going to lose the Oakland A's, and it's always it's a, a great franchise and a great place for a team. So it's a little painful when I realize and look around that they're probably going to be leaving and going to another town, going to Vegas fairly soon, I'm sure. But um, baseball, is, it's got a sweet spot for me. And then, of course, uh, my favorite is uh, probably Oakland. Um, and then, of course, I have an affection for playing in New York with the Yankees and the great fan base that they have, uh, the successes that, you know, I had there along with the successes in Oakland. I'm, I'm sure that the team in Oakland uh, with Rudy Bando, Campanaris, Catfish Hunter, Bloom, Odom, Kenny Holtzman, uh, Epstein, Green, and Duncan, Tanette, Tanachi, and, and Rudy, my, my roommate and everything. It's just um, Billy Norris. Uh, it's a very special place and uh, always, always a good memory. Awesome. Well, I, w- I want to talk to you about a little bit about baseball, a little bit about cars. Um, you have been super generous with your time on Bring a Trailer as a really active community member. Uh, you've sold a few cars with us. You've been active in the comments. We can talk about that. Um, you've always encouraged uh, BAT members to reach out to you, ask you questions, and even come visit you at your shop. Um, you've obviously been around the car world a long time um, and experienced a lot of different stuff. Um, so I think our listeners would love to hear just a little bit about um, kind of what, what cars you're interested in, what's in your collection today, um, and kind of your, uh, your focus with, with old cars, uh, past and present. Well, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I, I said I only had 45 minutes here now, but uh, that's, a, that's a real passion for me. Um, you know, I do enjoy uh, the automobile. Um, I enjoy the people that are in the business. Uh, the people that have the love and the care to, to preserve uh, and continue with, um, I guess, the legacy of some of the cars uh, from the American muscle car to some of the spectacular Porsches and Ferraris, uh, some of the wonderful Mercedes, uh, Maseratis, Aston Martins, and the history of that car, um, the history of the, the great Rolls Royce and 540K and Mercedes Benz. Um, 
you know, the cars of the thrilling days of yesteryear, if you will, all the way back to the Duesenbergs. Uh, and that brings up like Clark, Clark Gable and Zsa Zsa Gabor and Elizabeth Taylor and people like that, that were such a part of our life in America, uh, that the American automobile really became something special. It was a sign of success. And uh, we remember the difference so-called rich man, uh, magical marks. Uh, and that term mark is used uh, around the world and globe when it comes to a particular brand. But uh, I remember that you go somewhere in the 60s and you say, who's driving the El Dorado? Uh, who's the guy with the Mark III or the Mark II? There was also a Mark I. Um, and so those cars at that time you know, said prestige and they said success. Um, and so as I got into my teens, uh, Howard, I, I loved cars and I could sit on the front porch with my dad and I could call a, a 1955 or 58 Ford Fairlane, uh, a sky, I could call it a Skyliner or a Fairlane or a, or a Ford 500 or a custom liner and all those <laughs> things that, that you, that they built in those years, whether it was a Coupe de Ville or whether it was a Baritz or an Eldorado or the Cadillac or a Brome, um, in the same way with the Oldsmobile 98, the Oldsmobile 88, the Oldsmobile 442, the Nash Rambler and all those cars that came through and came by all of us as, as youngsters and uh, the desire to want to go back in the past and, and bring back a wonderful memory, whether it was a 55 Chevrolet utility sedan with no back seat, 150, a 210, a Bel Air. And they had the, the, the um, uh, prices of the car go up that, you know, as, as the, the name changed, they added more chrome and et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I got all the way into cars like the, the collectible Mercedes, the collectible Ferraris, the collectible um, uh, Porsches, and uh, just enjoyed the vehicle, enjoyed the people around the cars, and especially the people that owned and wanted to preserve, wanted to work on the cars. Um, and there's always a difference of a guy that's into the preservation of, and restoration and maintaining the originality of the car. And I've always admired the people in the automotive community. And uh, when I do go on bring a trailer, uh, I like answering the questions. I want to help the person and the buyer. I think that the automobile industry is a great place to collect. It's a great place to put money, uh, to enjoy the money, and then to be able to sell it and get your money back. Uh, but more than likely, you're going to sell it for more than you paid for it. Yeah, very good. Um, you were kind enough to, to show me around your shop uh, a year or two back. Uh, you've got an amazing collection of, of muscle cars. Um, you actually sold on Bring a Trailer one of my favorite Camaros ever, uh, which was a 69 Z28 RS Cross Ram silver car. You may remember that one. Yes. Um, you started your professional career in 1967 at kind of the height of the muscle car era. Uh, was that your focus back then? I, I'd love and our, our community would love to know kind of what was your 
interest level in cars during your playing career in the, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? And uh, kind of what car activities were you up to uh, when you were a pro ball player? You know, Howard, I would take you back really to when I was at Arizona State and I was uh, one of the top picks, not the number one pick, but one of the top picks in the baseball draft. And I was a better football player than I was a baseball player. Um, and I signed with the Kansas City A's in, in 1906. And with that, I got a brand new Pontiac. And I remember a friend of mine, a roommate of mine named Don Switzenberg. He was a defensive end. And I lived with him and he had a 65 GTO Pontiac red with black interior. And I always loved that car. And I thought I, I one-upped him because I bought the Catalina 421. The GTO had a 389 in it. And I bought a Catalina with a 421 maroon with a black vinyl top and a four-speed. And, um, and from there, uh, I was just so overjoyed and so grateful and thankful that I had a car. My car before that was a 55 Chevrolet with a 283 in it with two fours and a three-speed on the floor. Um, which I had built in high school with a couple of high school buddies. We all had our 55 Chevys. And one guy, uh, his name was Joe. He was an outsider. He was one of us, but he had a Ford. But the three or four other guys in the crowd, we all had Chevrolets. And so, um, so my love of automobiles really started in high school when you could work on it yourself, when you could put the things on it yourself, fix the radio, change the tires, change the carburetion, et cetera. Um, and then I got to it and stuck with it when I got into pro sports because I could then afford uh, some of the cars that I was desirous of. And just to just to jump around a little bit, but my dreams were a buddy of mine. And when I was in high school, he had a job and he had a 62 Corvette. And that thing was so nice. And I dreamed of that. I got one of those cars. Uh, and then another friend of mine had a 62 409. And I finally got myself a 409. And so, you know, the desire came from just wanting and, and, and dreaming. And I worked hard enough, uh, Howard, and got fortunate enough to be in sports where I could buy a few of the cars that I was so desirous of as a kid. So 1976 <laughs> is when you signed your contract with the Yankees. Uh, did you go? Did you go straight to the Benz dealership and buy a 450 SL, or you had already had a, a nice collection by, by the mid 70s? Uh, I had a nice collection by the mid 70s. Uh, Howard, I would say I probably had about 12 to 15 cars. Uh, you know, by the mid 70s, um, I connected with a group out of uh, uh, Fremont, San Leandro, the Del Rio brothers, and they were hot rodders. And uh, I considered myself a hot rodder, and I kind of slid in to be one of the boys with the Del Rio gang, if you will. We owned a, a race car that set a world record in, in the A Street Roadster class. And, and from there, I, I did some hot rods, did some painting, did some body work on cars, and then started playing with motors, et cetera. Uh, that happened, too, and uh, hanging around a guy by the name of Rizzio, who still builds cars today. Um, he's got, he builds a wonderful street rod, just a beautiful guy and beautiful person. Love of the automobile is what he's about. And um, I met another guy by the name of Bruno, who was an engine builder, still alive today, 90 years old. His son uh, 
uh, works for the city of, uh, in San Bruno, and then uh, he also has a machine shop. So uh, being a gearhead, I just gravitated toward toward those people and got into uh, the LS6 Chevelle, uh, got into the 409, got into the uh, mid-year Corvettes, meaning split window, 65, 67, and those, the odd years is what you really chased. Uh, the 62 Corvette was something that was always uh, spectacular. Uh, and then, of course, the first fuel-injected car in 57 was a spectacular car to own. I fell in love with the 55 Chevys, the 56s and 57s, and I had a bunch of those. I've still got a couple of 56s, and I still have four 55 Chevys, and they're all uh, really cool cars. One's a 480-inch uh, uh, 454 with a four-speed and uh, Coney coils, coilovers all the way around, leather interior. My favorite color is burgundy, and I have a, a, a blue uh, 55 Chevy that's kind of a Nassau blue with an aluminum 350 and a 5-speed and a 12-volt Chevy. Uh, really cool, really neat. And I have a red 55 Chevy Howard with a 426 Hemi in it. That's that's just a crazy car, but uh, the wow factor is what you like. You pick up the hood and you see a 426 Hemi in it with dual quads. And it's in a 50, 55 Chevy. And it's like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's that's fantastic. And and when you were playing, were, were you kind of known amongst amongst the the team and the and the guys as kind of the car guy? Would would people come to you for advice on what to buy, what to drive? Um, you played with so many great uh, legendary people over your career, and I think I'd love to know kind of which of your past teammates or other people in the league uh, also played with cars. Was there a was there a group of people that were real enthusiasts back then, or how did that work? Um, you know, the, the ball players that I played with, uh, they all loved cars. They all wanted cars. And uh, many times I had the guys that would come over and look around the shop and, you know, see what they liked. And then kind of I could steer them in certain directions. Uh, and just just coincidentally, I, I, uh, I misdialed my phone yesterday and I got Michael Strahan on the phone. And, and, and then I picked up, I looked at it and I FaceTimed and I said to him, did I call you? He said, no, you called me. I said, well, I haven't talked to you in a while. What are you doing? He said, I'm at my car shop. I'm at my garage. I said, well, walk me around. And he took me around to a, a, a Maserati and Aston Martin, uh, the, 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 one of the newer Ferraris. I think it was an F50 or something really cool. Uh, but he had a couple of really bitching Mercedes in there and a vast, a spectacular GT3 uh, Porsche. But he had the, the high dollar supercars and he said he had, a, I think he has about 35 or so. And I've known Michael Strahan has collected cars, but I've never taken the time to go see his stuff. Um, he was in the New York area. And uh, we talked for about 15 minutes on, on 20 minutes on a great visit. Um, and so I'm still in touch. People still recognize that I know cars. And in fact, I was with the Yankees up until a few years ago. I left and came to the Astros. Take a look at my hat there. But Garrett Cole, uh, the new phenom pitcher that's with the Yankees and one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, he had asked me about 
a type of Porsche that he was looking at and what should he pay and what did I think. And so I advised him or told him what I knew. I don't know if it was very good advice or not, but um, he was looking for a Porsche. And I told him, I said, you, it's limited production. You can't go wrong. They'll do nothing but throw money. That is great. You know, uh, Bring a Trailer was born here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I know you've got a lot of love for Oakland, as you mentioned. Uh, I think some people may forget you actually won two World Series titles uh, with Oakland. Three, three uh, in what, 72 to 74, somewhere in there. 72, uh, 73, 74. Uh, we won three years in a row and a three-year reign is called a dynasty. Very good. No, f- forgive me for missing uh, one of those. No, it's things. okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, just, just being a Bay Area native myself, uh, I'd love to know kind of what was the what, what was the Bay Area car culture you experienced in, in the early seventies? Were, were you cruising to uh, to the stadium in your LS six Chevelle back then, or how did that all go down? Um, uh, you were right on the money. I had a, I still have a car. Uh, it's a white seventy uh, Chevelle. Um, 454 LS6. I changed the pistons in the cam to make it an LS7, which is 12 and a half to one piston. The LS6 came with 11 and a half to one. Um, and then I ran it with 456 gears and a four speed. And I would race the car on Wednesday nights because we played a Wednesday day game and they had Fremont Raceway, all comers. Uh, could go down and race and you had to have a helmet in your car and take your hubcaps off. And uh, an overflow for your water tank, and you could race all night long. And I did that after we played on Wednesdays, and I drove down there and let a little of the air out of the tires, put my slicks on, and uh, uh, raced, you know, made 10, 12 runs, and then uh, had a good time. We turned around and went back home. I had a, f- a friend of mine, Bruno, that tagged along. Uh, he was a mechanic, and uh, uh, he's 90 now. Um, but uh, he came along with me and uh, we had a wonderful time. That is, that is fantastic. Um, you, you've, bought, uh, you've bought and sold a lot of cars over the years. I, I'd love to know, are there any ones that got away, ones you wish you had back? Um, you know, I, I would say yes. Uh, the latest car that I sold, uh, I don't even know why I sold it, but I sold a 4,200-mile, 4,200-mile, 65 GTO triple black. Um, I sold it to an, a, a captain of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, in the Navy, and he always wanted one. And I think I pr- he pried it loose because uh, he played on my heartstrings. He was a guy that you know had, was in service in America, and so I sold him that car. But um, I have had uh, several cars that I've sold that I wish I would have kept. I sold a 63 red split window to a friend, uh, about seven or eight years ago. Um, and I sold it for 180,000 and it's probably worth 250 now. Um, but there have been, there always has, uh, you know, been that car that I wish I didn't sell. I had a chance to own the number one grand sport and the number one grand sport, uh, they made three. Uh, this one was a convertible. It was red. The serial number was, you know, eight or nine zeros and a one. And about 15 years ago, the car was worth 10 million. And I could have bought it for 140,000. And the guy said, take it, pay me when you get the money. I know where you are, Reggie. I'll always get it. 
I will find you. So you just take the car and pay me later. And I was too dumb to do that. Wow. You know, that's, uh, that's incredible. Hmm. Yeah. I had a uh, 73 Carrera with the gold letters on the side that I sold. I probably should, I not probably, but I should have kept that. At a 356 Porsche that I sold, I should have kept that. It was an original 28,000-mile car, white with red guts. Spectacular car. And, and you haven't uh, talked about it too much, but I know at one point you were you were big into Ferraris and owned uh, a number of, uh, I think, pretty significant um, yes. cars there. C- can you talk a little bit about your uh, kind of Ferrari era and, and uh, some of that? I uh, Yes, I owned a, a probably about a dozen Ferraris, and... I was called a small, small owner of Ferraris. So a lot of the big guys, uh, the McCall brothers and um, uh, Ralph Lauren. And those, uh, there's the guy, Dick Wolf, uh, that is the uh, um, you know, producer, originator of all the television shows, uh, Law and Order, I think, and a bunch of others. Uh, he's got a spectacular Ferrari collection. So does John McCall. But... Um, I think there are a couple of guys that have a billion dollars worth of Ferraris and only have maybe 30, 20 or 30. Um, but I sold a 275 GTB 60 alloy body outside filler. Uh, I sold a Lusso. I sold a Daytona Coupe, a Daytona Spider, um, uh, you know, and a couple other 275 GB, GBT and then a GTB 6C. I sold a, a 330 GT, a 330 GTC. I sold a Super America. I made money on all of them, but uh, I probably should have kept some. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, Howard, I probably sold... When, the, when they just started getting hot gold wings, I probably in three to four years, three to five years, sold 15 gold wings uh, because they were worth anywhere from 150 to 300. And the last car I got, the last gold wing I got was about four or five years ago, and I paid a million four fifty for it. And luckily, got out of it at a million five. But then, the, you know, the market turned. But uh, I never had a car I didn't love or like, and I never bought a car. Just I, I guess I should say I have bought cars to trade, but I've always bought and sold cars that I liked. That if I didn't sell it, um, I could enjoy it and not be sorry I had it. Makes sense. And, and and speaking of uh, ones that got away, um, several years ago, I guess in the late 80s, you had a, a fire in your warehouse that unfortunately destroyed a number of cars. Um, I think it got some press at the time. Um, can, can you share kind of what was what was lost in that fire? Um, it, it can kind of go down the road. Uh, I lost two LS6s. Um, one was red. And then another one was black, uh, two spectacular colors, and they were low mile cars. Uh, I lost the 65 396 coupe, um, radio heater delete, uh, 396 four and a quarter horse red, and I lost the 65 ejected uh, Corvette that was red with black. 
I lost the 67 GT350 with a Paxton supercharger, 9,000 miles. Um, that was uh, blue. Um, I lost a, uh, a, a plum crazy uh, 70 Cuda convertible. Um, that was a, a 340 with a 446-pack car with a four-speed. And then I lost a, uh, a, a Hemi Dart um, with fender well headers, aluminum front end, plexiglass window car. Uh, and then I lost a, a spectacular, untouched, original 23,000-mile Z06 split window, a big tank car. Yeah, and, and, and a few others. I uh, lost 34 in a fire. But uh, yeah, nobody got hurt. Uh, you, people say, did you get any replaced? Well, you really couldn't. They were all a bunch of one-offs. I, I lost a 41-mile Buick GNX that was in, that was in there, too. So that was, a, that was a brand new car at the time? Yes, yes. Interesting. You know, when I came down to see you, you, you spent probably an hour with me and I was just so impressed with the depth of your knowledge on all this stuff. You were going through Camaros and here's the markings. Here's the difference between a 67 and a 68 and going super deep on, on all that stuff. I think I joked with you that uh, if Jerry McNeish ever retired and you were looking for work, you could step right into his shoes and, uh, and, and, uh, and acquit yourself just fine. Um, I would love to, to know uh, kind of what, what are the highlights of your collection today? What, what, what are your favorite cars that are still around? Um, I still got a uh, Daytona. I have two Daytona coupes. Uh, one is yellow with 7,000 miles. I'm going to sell it. And I've got a car that came out of the Ferrari family. That's a Daytona coupe, 16,000 mile car, red with uh, front brake vents and then a Lamont kit. It was owned by Francisco Mira, uh, who married one of the Ferrari girls, I think. But um, I also have a, 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 a Narch Fighter, a 275 GTB, um, a six car. And, um, you know, it was a, one of the extra, it was the first extra car that Luigi Canetti cut. He cut the first 10, and they all became one of 10. Uh, Steve McQueen, Bill Cosby each owned one of those cars, uh, and a couple of other people. Um, and then I owned one of the cars, but the car that I owned was a car that came out of Connecticut where the Luigi Canetti shop was, and his son, Luigi Coco Canetti, he wanted one, and his father said, well, I'll help you build it if you do it yourself, and, and I'll help you. And so uh, it's always been disputed by Ferrari that the car is what it is because it was not authorized by them. Um, although uh, the Canetti's that cut the first 10, they were the guys that cut my car. So that's always been kind of a, an argument car or a disputed car or the Reggie Jackson, Nart Spider. Um, etc. So I still got that. I love it. And um, I've got the car up in Northern California and I'm getting a, a uh, preservation restoration to try to preserve everything that's possible that you can that works. And uh, we've been working on it for about a year. 
you know, I'd love before, before we wrap up, I'd love to touch a little bit on your, your Yankee days. Um, obviously when you lived in Northern California with the A's, you know, very conducive uh, environment to playing around with old cars, New York city, maybe less so uh, in, in your Yankee years, did your, um, did your kind of sports car activities decrease or uh, how are you able to play with cars uh, living in New York and, and playing for the Yankees? Well, uh, um, Howard, I, I met a guy in New York there that was a big time car collector and car guy. Uh, he was a typical New Yorker. His name was Michael Shudroff. He's still around. Uh, he was over on York Avenue. And I don't know how I found him. I was looking for a Rolls dealer to get my car serviced. And this guy was an exotic car dealer at a service place. And the Rolls dealer was, you know, more, more of a formal place downtown. He was up in the 70s and I lived in the 70s. So I drove over there and um, started hanging around. Uh, I had my buddy drive my Rolls across country in the 70s. Six Cornish Coupe that I still own it today. Uh, it's burgundy with tan, with tan guts. And um, I bought a 275 GTB4 from him, black car. That's I paid 15000 for it. And that car today is worth probably two and a half to three million. And um, I bought a black convertible Rolls from him that same year. I used to go over and get bagels and Loxwood in or corned beef sandwich we share. And um, um, the day I hit the three home runs that night, the next day I went on a Today Show. And after the Today Show, I went over to Michael's to hang out for the day and just kind of enjoy and be around the cars and look at the newspaper articles and brag about what I did and have people tell me how great I was. But um, Michael was saying, I got this car for you. Forget about it. I'm not selling to anybody. You're the guy who ought to have this car. You're going to make a million dollars this winter. Forget about it. You got to own this car. I'm not going to sell it to anybody else until you take a home with you because you hit the three homers and you just got to, you just got to have this car. After about three or four hours of beating on me, I called my accountant and attorney in California and asked him to wire me a check for $64,250. I bought that car and drove it home the next day. <laughs> Fantastic. And the three home runs you're talking about are, of course, what was that? That was World Series Game 6 versus the Dodgers, right? Yes. And that that, that yes. got the distinction of the, of the Mr. October name. Um, and what, after that seminal moment, you decided to go hang with your car buddies, huh? Yes, yes. I, I drove the car home. I bought a Samsonite suitcase, threw a couple jeans and sweatshirts in it, and I drove 40, 42 hours from New York to California. I got stopped three or four times, and uh, I was doing 100 in Ohio, in, the, in Ohio, and the police officer stopped me, and he said, I ain't going to give you a ticket. I just wanted to shake your hand. The truck drivers told me, I heard you were on the road. And then I got stopped again in Oklahoma and the guy wanted to, uh, he said, if you talk to my son, I'll let you go. And so I, he called, he called his son. He had one of those great big brick phones if you, if, if you can remember. But um, uh, from there, I got stopped in Oklahoma 
And the guys pulled me over. He said, we don't have a speed limit here, but I heard you were on the road and I'd just like to meet you. And uh, he said, you got a free ride here because there's no speed limit. Uh, Mr. Jackson in Oklahoma, Colorado, or Nevada. Interesting. Amazing. 42-hour trip in the Corniche cross-country. That's uh, yeah. obviously yeah. That's a fond memory of yours. Um, I'd love to know uh, whatever you're willing to share about your relationship. And, and we're going uh, far afield from cars here. Uh, but, but I know a lot of our community members are, are into baseball as well and are of a certain era where uh, they remember certainly you and that, and that Yankees team. Um, what, what was it like playing for George Steinbrenner and, and, and you know, being the star on his, on his team? Uh, were, you, were you smoking cigars in his office after big wins or how did that all, how did that all play out? Um, I, I always admired George uh, and his family. And uh, I really felt I was fortunate to play with the Yankees during those years and to be in the organization, uh, to be recognized as one of the great Yankees of all time is a, a special thing for me, uh, being recognized by the fans and being cheered by them and being accepted as one of theirs uh, is special for me. And um, of all the times that George and I uh, bumped heads, um, we had a tremendous relationship. We respected each other. Um, we became family, and uh, it's still that way today. Uh, although I'm not with the Yankees, uh, I still have a great relationship with the Steinbrenner family as well as the Yankees. Very good. And you are very much not retired. Um, you are uh, what a special advisor to the Houston Astros. You're actually dialing in from Houston, from the ballpark. The, the Astros are playing a, a day game as we speak. Um, right. What are you up to with the Astros these days? Um, I'm special advisor to the owner um, and, and uh, you know, do my best to, to give input to him and also very well connected with his uh, charitable uh, ideas that he likes um, he's interested in, in improving the game of baseball and uh, having more minorities involved. Uh, he has a big diversity and inclusion department here of trying to fulfill um, uh, minority hiring here uh, with the organization. So that's our focus here and to do our best to spread STEM education throughout the different underserved committees, communities around the United States. Uh, he has a big project here with improving the playgrounds and baseball fields in the city of Houston. And so I'm in participation with that and uh, feel fortunate and lucky uh, to be with a guy that's a doer that makes things happen. Um, he's a great leader, a uh, great person for com committing uh, to improve the different communities that are here and as well as has a tremendous focus on diversity and inclusion. And if I can help my community uh, by having um, him help or me helping what he's doing, then uh, I'm grateful that I have those opportunities, Howard. Yeah, certainly. And, and as far as cars go, what's, what's next on your list for, for stuff you're buying, stuff you're looking at? You know, the old saying that we're all just one car away from true happiness, uh, that, that may apply <laughs> to you specifically. Um, anything going on in your, in your car life uh, in the near future? Uh, I just bought a, uh, a Mercedes um, a GLS uh, AMG E63S um, with a nine-speed and they come from the factory with a 607 horsepower motor. Uh, you can get a Rentec chip for three grand for 
and it adds 210 horsepower, which is crazy. But the uh, car came with a 325 tire on the back, um, and that's one of the biggest tires I've seen on an on American vehicle. But it is a spectacular ride. It is a spectacular vehicle and probably the finest vehicle I've ever owned. Um, so I, I chased one of those. There's an E63 sedan. That's a rocket as well. I just purchased one of those from California from a friend of mine. What's the name of that, that store over there? Um, maybe Fletcher Jones. Fletcher Jones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was looking for a deal, so I called him. He helped me out. But the Mercedes, the Mercedes mark is a spectacular mark. The Porsches that they're making now are spectacular. Uh, I just uh, got a connection to get a black wing Cadillac, I think, which is a seven or 800 horsepower car. So uh, I happen to be a GM dealer uh, as well as a Honda dealer. Um, so it's uh, through Rick Hendrick, who's a tremendous car collector and car person. Um, but, um, you know, the world of cars is part of who I am. It's in my blood, Howard. And um, I'm looking for a, a, a GTT or, or a nice Porsche Turbo, uh, Turbo S. Um, but uh, I still have the desire for the vehicles. And I don't think I'll ever get tired of having a new set of wheels. <laughs> Makes sense. Fantastic. Well, Reggie, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. I know you have a huge fan base on Bring a Trailer and uh, hope to see you in the, in the comment section and, and staying active uh, on the site. Uh, I know people absolutely love uh, hearing your insights and knowledge uh, that, that you're sharing all the time. I got a couple of cars coming up for sale here, so we'll keep our eyes open and I'll call in and uh, talk to uh, one of the guys and get some photography going because but uh, we're going to be continuing to move a car here and there from time to time. All right. Any teasers on what's, on what's coming next out of the collection? Uh, I got an AC Bristol with a 289 in it that I've helped. I've gotten some help from a guy. I want to say his name is Jim Freeman out of, uh, in Oregon, who owned uh, more ACs than anybody, sold some at, at uh, um, Rob, Rob, uh, the, the, the auction, the auction. I can't think of that. He's with Sotheby's. Yep. Yep. Rob, Rob Meyer. You're talking about Jim right. Feldman, who's kind of the uh, yeah, right. authority Jim, on, Jim, uh, on AC. Yeah, that's right. That's he actually right. has the, an AC uh, Zagato, which kind of looks like an 8V or, or a, a A6G Zagato, which is probably my favorite AC ever made. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. funny you're in touch with him. Yep. Yep. So he's helped me finish the one that I'm going to put up for sale. It looks like a Cobra. It's just a spectacular car red with black guts. Fantastic. Um, we'll look for that. Reggie, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Howard, it's a pleasure, man, working with you. I'm uh, glad that you uh, love the cars and love talking about them. And I'll tell the people out there that anytime I've had any issues, uh, it's always been very easy for me to pick up the phone and uh, connect with you in some way. In a day or two, you get back and you always iron out if I have any wrinkles or questions. You've always been kind. Fantastic. Well, thank you. And, and we'll talk to you soon.